Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created but lived as well. So join us as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. Today we start the conversation on H.P. Lovecraft. This is a blender episode, the prep stage. We're getting all the ingredients for what it takes to make a complicated man and getting the meal ready. Honestly, Lovecraft was so complicated and had such a messed up life that there's no way for us to do it all in just one hour. So remember that if you want to add to the show and the conversation, you can always go to our Facebook page and talk with us there. This is a multiple episode series in which we'll try our damnedest to help you understand who this creepy guy from New England is, what he wrote about, and what the heck is a Cthulhu. If you want to enter a world of insurmountable darkness and horror, unending madness, unrelenting towers of odd geometry, then this is the place to start. You don't like anyone else doing the recording, do you? I'm the recorder. (laughs) Not a recorder like you play it like in third grade recorder. I totally thought you meant the third grade kind of recorder. (laughs) I'll be the recorder. (laughs) No. I'm Tyler Clawson. You like that? I just introduced ourselves because I remember really we are recording. <laughs> and uh, the other voice you hear is me, Hannah Ray Lambert. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't have said your name. Just, it's me. <laughs> it's me, guys. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> like, when, so, like when you call someone and you're right. like, hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. Yeah. Before the days of caller ID. I was just about to say, like, caller ID has ruined that. Yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit there. What I like is the opposite is like, we live in a world of caller ID and I still have people say who they are. Like my father in law. Like, <laughs> Peter, I know who you are. And I, if I don't have you in my phone already, like, our relationship is really in a bad place. <laughs> you don't have to say, hey, it's your father in law. Peter, you married my daughter four and a half years ago. <laughs> her name is Rebecca. Yeah, do you remember Rebecca? You dated her, and then you married her? <laughs> he just wants to make sure. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, you are listening to the podcast Between Lewis and Lovecraft. That's the name of this podcast that you are currently listening yeah, to. Yeah, that's us. I'm staring directly at <laughs> Hannah as I say that. I'm making this her very really awkward. Yeah, <laughs> Hannah. You are listening to, and now I feel like I'm on the Disney Channel. <laughs> she started doing the like mouse, <laughs> mouse thing. Hi, I'm Tyler Clawson, and you're listening to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. A little mouse symbol. Actually, it'd be more like a little Cthulhu symbol. Ooh, huh? and that's a great segue because today we are talking about H.P. Lovecraft. Nice. Very well done segue. We just Amy clap. We're, yeah, we should just quit now. We're never going to do better than this. Amy's hanging out with us again. Uh, Amy is the owner and uh, co- just sole proprietor of the book nook. It's really amazing. She's only 15 and she 15 runs years whole old. She doesn't even have her, her driver's permit, but she oh. owns, runs, and she is taking over this town. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> she said, I wish for those yeah. who can't hear. Uh, no, but we are in the book nook. Um, who and it is owned by Amy's mom and dad, Paul and Megan, and they're wonderful people. We just want to thank them before we get started because I'll forget later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've been great. This yeah, is a great yeah. environment. To Surrounded by books, talking about books. What more could you ask for? Um, more whiskey, but that's <laughs> no. just well. a, that's just a me thing. I'll we'll bring I'll stick with my Lacroix. Or polar. I'm drinking polar today. Is that like off-brand Lacroix? <laughs> I think it's better than Lacroix. It's like if <laughs> there was a Reese's cups, but it was better than Reese's. It was like a higher-end Reese's. As someone who know. hates Lacroix, I'm really offended that you compared my favorite candy That's to Lacroix. That's my favorite candy. Oh my god! <laughs> we have a ton in we common. We should actually talk about H.P. Lovecraft. We today, We're gonna though. have to cut like half of that out. <laughs> <laughs> Insert weird sound effect here and go. <laughs> and we're back. Sorry about that tangent. Um, yes, so we're talking about H.P. Lovecraft, which is undeniably one of my favorite authors. Um, that's why he named the podcast Between, Between Lewis, Lewis and, Lovecraft. and Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as much as I'm excited to talk about Lewis, which we did in the last couple episodes, I'm probably more excited to talk about Lovecraft because I know less about him, in, in a sense. Like, like, I'm learning about him more now because I knew about Lewis when I was a younger kid, and now that I'm an adult, I get, I get to learn about this new author. And... Um, 
today i spent all day today listening to audiobooks like free audiobook versions of um lovecraft stuff and man I, every every single story i'm like ah oh, is this my favorite lovecraft story oh, i think this is my favorite lovecraft story every single time i did decide on one though really yeah do we want to share that now later i mean I, maybe later maybe later i mean i don't know it's so exciting it's like christmas I mean, I've got a three-way tie for my favorite. So let's just talk about I this now. Commit. Let's let's get people excited. Like they're gonna be like, "Ooh, which ones are they like?" And then when we talk about them later, they can be like, "Oh, that's the one that they really like." Okay. So, do you want to do your favorite first, or should I do my? Three? I'll do mine because you have three, and that's gonna take a little bit more time. I have commitment issues. Yeah, uh, I don't. I've decided that it is from Beyond. Really? Yeah. Did you read okay, that I one? I have to admit, I did not read from Beyond. Ooh, it's so good. Oh, Ooh, it's so out. good. It's got a nice little twist. It's got a, a very Poe-esque type of feel, but like very Lovecrafty and very technological aliens, like sci-fi. But then like the Poe inspiration is there. We're going to talk about that later of just, you know, um, I don't know. It was so good, though. I oh. love that story so much. I'm sad I didn't make it to that one now. I'll, I'll have to read it as soon as we're done here. Yeah. Um, it's not very long. The audio one that I listened to, I think it was off of Leverbox or Leverbox, whatever it's called. Hmm. I think it was like maybe 15 minutes long. Wow. Yeah, th- it was short. I per- I, my three favorites are shorter ones too. Yeah. Um, I'm torn between The Temple, which I mentioned to you in one right, of our texts. Right, yeah. And then uh, you probably read more and you're like, wait, no, I shouldn't yep, have sent that yep. to you. Uh, the Cats of Ulthar. Yeah, Cats of Ulthar is a good one. And The Rats in the Walls. Yeah, uh, the rats on the wall gets me because I'm like, eh, gross. It's, it's but, so gross. Yeah, but there's a lot of that in Lovecraft, so. Yeah. And those are, I mean, Cats of Ulthar, it's more of a fantasy, you know? It's very, like, mythical. Yeah, sort of. exactly. Yeah, and it's super short. It's only, like, three pages long. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. And then uh, the rats on the wall is very much more of, like, a almost a gothic horror mm-hmm. sort of feel. And then the temple is like, I don't know. Temple is like just. It's like a World War One adventure slash horror story. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. Am I thinking the of the tomb? The temple is the submarine one. I always think of the tomb when yeah, people the say the temple. Is, yeah, the temple is the submarine one. That one I haven't read. That was like probably one of the first ones I read, and I had been reading so much that I it kind of blurred. So I actually need to go back and read that mm. one. Yeah. That's so a when good one. you go read from beyond, gonna I'm be gonna go the read temple. the temple. <laughs> Anyway, let's jump into Lovecraft as a person, because today, and I kind of explained this off air, today's episode is going to be a little bit more of um, the, if we were doing a cooking show, (laughs) it would be the how to make a Lovecraft type of show sort of thing. Um, We're going to show you all the ingredients and all the things that go into making a a nice pizza pie, (laughs) but I love uh, it. I like the blender uh, analogy you had earlier. It is, yeah. Yeah. Like we're throwing in everything. It's a little violent too, which is good. Yeah, you just throw some strawberries in there and it gets bloody red and gross. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's gross. Um, Anyway, yes, it's like a blender. We're going to throw all the ingredients in today and we're going to show you what goes into um probably the back the in, in the backstory the the writing that went into his his stories we're going to see where that comes from i think um lots of interesting little things so um why don't why don't you start and get us okay. going and then i'll jump in and interrupt you and talk about things as we go along that's what we're both good at so let's start at the very beginning guys howard phillips lovecraft better known as hp was born on August 20th, 1890 in Providence, Rhode Island. That's where he spent most of his life. Um, And, you know, for him, tragedy started very early in his life. His father, Winfield Scott Lovecraft, who was a traveling salesman, developed a type of mental disorder that's usually caused by untreated syphilis. So we're we're already going into this because there's so much leading up to this. That's, you don't even like this? No, like I mean this is good. He this, was three. This, this, yeah, you're right. You're How right. How much could is... happen before he turned three other than his dad, you know, I going like, around on I got the road like 10 and getting pages. syphilis. So just so everybody knows, I'm going from the book um In the Mountains of Madness, not At the Mountains of Madness, which is a book written by at the Mountains of Madness is written by H.P. Lovecraft. 
um, this is kind of a overview of his life and kind of discerning. This is this book by W. Scott Poole in the Mountains of Madness kind of goes into Lovecraft's life by almost critiquing a lot of the commentaries on his life. So it's really interesting. The guy was a fan of his and read a lot of biographies and then took a lot of those and went, this is what people say about this. This is what other people say about this. This is what we can kind of glean from it. And that's what I really liked about it is he... It's like a biography of biographies. Yeah, he, he admits where he doesn't have information. He talks about where he does get his information and how reliable or unreliable that information is. Um, so... Yeah, so his father died, and that's it's a pretty big deal. Not because it impacted his his life, per se, because I think that some other things that happened are much bigger, but, like, it's just this... It was like a shadow over his life f- for his entire life, or at least well, yeah, while he... With his relationship with his mom and grandpa. And even though he was so young when his dad first got committed, like... He was three when that happened, and then his dad didn't die until he was eight years old. So he was in this institution, Butler Hospital in Providence, for five years. And I've got to think that if you're a kid, that's pretty hard. Like, your dad's crazy, committed crazy. And I I feel like the stigma of that and just the pressure would be a lot for a young child. Yeah, and I think that there was um, a certain sense that, like, who his dad was... He kind of wanted to be a little bit um, because he was kind of an English dandy type type guy. He was he was kind of weird, um, at least to the love or not the Lovecrafts to the um, oh, what is the maiden name of his mother? Oh, um, totally forgot. Oh, Sarah gosh. Susan. Uh, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. <laughs> Phillips. 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 Yeah, yeah. you're right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we forget that? Yeah, it's uh, Howard Phillips. Lovecraft. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um to the to the We're Phillips just family. We're going to pretend like we remembered that the whole time. <laughs> Winfield was kind of weird. Um and he was a he was a um silver silver um like spoons and oh, silverware silverware salesman. salesman. Yeah. Which to me is just the most ridiculous thing ever. Like you're sitting at dinner and somebody's <laughs> like, "What are you going to do for the rest of your life?" You're like, "I don't know." I don't know. I got a fork. You want a fork? <laughs> I, that's probably exactly how it went down. Yeah. He had to make a career choice. He was getting up there in the years. His parents were going to kick him out. There is that whole adage of like, like salespeople are like, sell me this pen. And he's like, no, 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 bro. Sell me this fork. <laughs> right? Like, I think maybe. No, that's probably not. Um, <clears throat> well, but, apparently he was good at it because he got syphilis. So. Well, he traveled a lot. Yeah. And this is back in, in the late 1800s. I mean, mm-hmm. very late. We're talking like 1893, 94, right? Well, he was committed by 94, so. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it's early 1890s. And he's traveling around, and he's he's a dude, a traveling salesman, and he's probably getting around. Let the record show that Tyler basically said boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Well, 19th century boys will yes. be 19th century boys. Let's go with that, right? Um, and so he con- he contracted syphilis, and it went unchecked, and it straight up destroyed his brain. Yep. And he had a meltdown in Chicago, I believe. Going to check. Before we disparage the great city of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, he ran out of his out of his hotel in Chicago in in 1893 is when this went down. So yeah, he was committed yeah. by 94. He said the chambermaid <laughs> chambermaid has insulted me. Brutal men are raping my wife upstairs. I can hear her cries. Oh God! Is that really what he screamed? <laughs> That's what he ran out of his hotel screaming, and they're like, yeah. I think we should take you in. <laughs> <laughs> you should get that looked at, bro. But <clears throat> there's um, there's a certain sense of, like, why did Sarah Susan... Susan, Sarah. Sarah Susan. Susan. Sarah Susan, yeah. Sarah Susan. But she went by Susie. Oh, well, see, there you That's go. That's why I get confused. <laughs> yeah, Susie... Uh, why would Susie marry this guy? Um, a lot of people think it's because she was bored. And he was a traveling salesman. <laughs> he knows how to sell himself. 
which is what you do when you sell anything. And um, she was also from this Victorian age, you know, and he was this dandy English guy. And so I think the reason why I bring it up is because um, Lovecraft wanted to be like this Victorian, not even Victorian, earlier, like a 17th century, um, 18th century kind of like gentleman, upstanding citizen who like leisurely living life he he didn't want to work hard he didn't want to do all this stuff with his hands he wanted to lounge around and think and philosophize and all kinds of stuff and i think a lot of that comes from who his dad was and maybe the stories that his mom told to him about his dad well his mom really you know played up her english heritage too the whole family was full of anglophiles they yeah they definitely thought the brits were superior so I think he was getting it from both sides of the family, but it's, yeah, that becomes very obvious in his works and in his life, how, how much he fancied himself being an Englishman, even though he's American guys, <laughs> totally American. Yeah. And, um, and I think we'll get to the mom quite a bit later because she plays a huge role in his life, especially later on. Um, but yeah, so, so then, so you have his dad who dies after being taken to the mental hospital for losing his shit. <laughs> um, and then, and then he dies and they're very quiet about it. Like they don't, they're not, they don't talk to him about what happened. He spends majority of majority of his life. Um, just kind of trying to figure out why, where did dad go? And do you think he ever really knew? Cause I was reading some accounts that maybe he never really admitted that his dad had syphilis. Like, maybe he knew he went crazy or whatever, but I wasn't sure how much HP knew about what actually happened to his dad. Um, I think he did. Um, or at least he knew some of it. He had an idea of it because, number one, um, this is not a small, or this is not a big town. I, I, it's a, it's a, it's next to a big town, but Providence itself is, it's very much like a small town feel. Gossip was everywhere. You know, and and even as secluded as Lovecraft was, I don't think that he could have gotten away from the gossip of, yo, that dude's dad. <laughs> he got around. <laughs> That's what no one wants to hear. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Yeah. And um, and so I think he knew or at least he had some idea. And then I think he started to make a lot of different cases for it. Some people say that he thought that, you know, or he made the case that his dad had a brain tumor. Um, which a lot of people are like, nah, if he had a brain tumor, like he would have to cause that kind of mental break, the dude would have died almost immediately after that mm -hmm. break. But he lived in the mental facility for a few years Yeah. <clears throat> before he, he ended up dying. So there's not the evidence for a brain tumor to cause that. I could see him like wanting to kind of rationalize that because like a brain tumor sounds like so much more dignified than my dad slept around and <laughs> got an STD. Uh, and also, yeah. they didn't have that much medical knowledge compared to what we have now back then. So it sure. was probably easier for him to yeah, like, make was, up his own version of events, even though he was super into science. So Yeah, he was. I'm but conflicted. There's, there's still a lot of Victorian stuff where like people would talk about how, his, how beautiful his mom is and how um, white and silky her skin was, and that it, she probably obtained that by drinking a little bit of arsenic every Yikes. night right because they thought "Ooh, arsenic will help clean will help bleach the skin and cause her to have that milky white skin complexion <clears throat> so that's guys that's some of that victorian age uh pro tip don't drink stuff. arsenic um i have a lot of stuff on sarah susan this book is no, almost about you know Susie. about Susie. yeah she was fascinating i mean her family they were pretty wealthy her father was a businessman his name is whipple or that's what they called him which is adorable <laughs> whipple also very like british sounding it, could you imagine a young lovecraft walking around the family mansion because that's where they ended up moving after the dad, dad was ho yeah. hospitalized they moved in with grandpa whipple mm -hmm. um could you imagine a young Lovecraft just walking around like, Grandpa Whipple, Grandpa Whipple. <laughs> I don't think that's what his accent was like. It was probably pretentious and British. 
They're from New England. They're not from Britain. But they're so obsessed with them. You don't think they like took on a British affectation just to sound Maybe. smarter, superior? I got, in, I got into an argument with my little brother uh, a few months ago because I made him watch a couple episodes of Frasier. Have you ever watched Frasier? <laughs> no. I remember no. my grandparents did when I was a kid, so I'm like vaguely yeah. aware of it. Cameron's like, Cameron's like, why would I watch a show about a British dude? And I'm like, Frazier's not British. He's in Seattle, dude. He's like, he's got a British accent. I was like, no, he doesn't. He does not have a British accent. We're listening to it. He's like, see, that's a British. I was like, no, he's like emphasizing. He has like a a dictation to his voice. It's very like regal and, you know, like high language. And, And he's like so british <laughs> so i think maybe we're talking Cameron about and i are on the same yeah, I wavelength think, i think you and him would both watch frazier and be like british guy british guy and then lovecraft <laughs> probably lovecraft probably spoke the exact same way as frazier yes he could that, be played by the guy who played frazier if you guys don't take anything else from this podcast just know just when you read lovecraft have Frazier's voice, have Kelsey Grammer's voice in your head. We just ruined H.P. Lovecraft. But, okay, back to post-dad going into the insane Right, asylum. right, right, right. So they moved into the mansion with Grandpa Whipple and his mom and her two sisters, Lillian and Annie. And, yeah, so his grandfather became kind of like a father figure, which makes sense. You know, he was the only man in his life really yeah and i have i mean i have something about this and i can lay it out already if you want um and it actually so have you been able to read the dunwich horror at all no okay so that's a it's a little bit longer of a story and i'm gonna try and keep from spoils um there's how do i do this without spoiling do we need to not spoil it Nah, and it's a hundred years old. Screw it. <laughs> if you haven't read this or watched um, Sixth Sense, Ooh. he's a ghost at the end. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be like similar to Sixth yeah. Sense. And I got really excited. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. I just wanted to spoil something else as well. Uh, that's fine. Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. And um, so in in the Dunwich Horror, there's a a, a boy that's born um, by a mother, and they live in the house, and it's kind of a a town pariah. That the mother gave birth to this boy because they, I, I can't remember. Maybe they don't remember who, they don't know who the father is. And a lot of people think that the grandpa who takes care of the daughter and who had the kid is actually also the dad mm. of the boy. Yeah, and that it's like some cult thing. And that's in the story. They have that. And <clears throat> there's a part of me that wonders how much of that might be like um like a fantasy for lovecraft to kind of live into that because after his father died his grandpa became his dad right like he was traveling a lot doing a a lot of his business stuff um but he would constantly write to to philip or to howard he wrote so many letters to a three-year-old yeah who who could read them like this kid was smart let's let's stop real quick and get into that Howard is smart. He's a smart kid. He's reading and writing by the age of three. Yep. And um, and he eventually gets into chemistry for the fun of it. And astronomy. Not because his mom made him take it as an elective class in sixth grade and he failed miserably because he doesn't care for chemistry. You know what? This I don't got need- really personal. I don't need to bring that in. Not to uh, rub it in, but I got an A in chemistry. <laughs> I'm sure you did. You seem like the exact kind of person that would sit on the opposite side of the room from me. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't have your slacker rubbing off on me. Yeah. You got a C? Amy got a C. So Amy would sit between us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> middle middle row. <laughs> um, he is super smart. And so, yeah, so his grandpa would write to him constantly, encouraged him in everything that, that he was into and taught howard how to enjoy it um and so it's interesting to me that there is that that small thing and i'm maybe i'm reading into one tiny story one little thing in one story a little too much well i think a lot of his stories kind of reflected different parts of his life so you could be you know spot on with that or maybe it was something that people teased him about maybe yeah you know the townsfolk made up a rumor that like hey i mean this three-year-old kid he's living with his mom and his grandpa maybe the grandpa's yeah the 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 dad's out of the picture and they move back into the mansion and live with grandpa 
and the grandpa dotes on this guy like it's his son um yeah there could be that and if if anything you can see the the influences in in lovecraft's writing all stem from this period in his life like every single character deals with madness there are so many stories where it ends with the main character having a complete breakdown yeah exactly or like not trusting their own thoughts and so like how much of that is based because he knows what his dad went through like he knows his dad went literally insane and it's like him trying to play this fantasy of like he went insane because he found something better something more and him trying to justify that yeah uh, rewriting his own history exactly or justifying the loss yeah because that's what we do we try to justify the loss and everything you know, whenever a Christian loses someone in their life, there's a million people ready to tell them, well, he's in a better place. Well, she's in a better place. Oh, they're in a better place now. And it's like, if we can justify the loss that that person's moved on somewhere better, then it helps us get over it. Lovecraft is like, yeah, maybe my dad was insane, but it was maybe because he knew more than we did. Yeah, he discovered some unspeakable <laughs> truth about the world and it drove him mad. Unspeakable truth, yeah. I mean, that's literally the most Lovecraft thing you can say is, is. the unspeakable truth. <laughs> unspeakable horror. You yes. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on, I just want to point out a, a little uh, almost child abuse-y moment for Whipple. Did you see that he forced HP uh, when he was five to walk around the dark hallways of the mansion. What? No, yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> or to walk through like several dark rooms, I guess because uh, HP was like afraid of the dark or something, and Whipple wanted to get him over his fear, so he made him walk through all these dark rooms. Really? I just, like I would be so scared. Yeah, that yeah. would have been that would have made me terrified. Yeah. I don't know if it like actually worked. I d- didn't see any any indication that the adult HP was afraid of the dark. So. Maybe Grandpa Whipple was onto something with his tough love. Yeah, I think, and there's there's a little bit of that because um, at that time there was this huge um, import of of like masculinity. Um, you know, sports were becoming really big. It's why football became so huge in America um, rather than baseball because baseball, like, it's athletic, but football, you're you're tackling yeah, people. Exactly, it's 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 sport. It's manly hunting and and traveling and hiking and outdoorsmanship the the um boy scouts and and such were happening at this time and whipple really pushed lovecraft to to try and do these things i think he played one game of soccer and fainted (laughs) that seems pretty typical yeah and then his mom was like nope (laughs) no more sports which if I would have known that it could have that fainting <laughs> once could have got me out of sports, I would have done it immediately. Well, Susie spoiled him as a kid, so I don't yeah. know about your mom, but she might have been a little tougher on you. Susie basically gave HP whatever he wanted. Literally whatever he wanted. Literally like expensive chemistry sets, mm-hmm. whatever. Even um, when they yeah. couldn't really afford it anymore. Um I lost my place in my book and now I'm all the way back to where we started this episode. Oh god. Yeah, super annoying. Um, I love, I love, that's more. I want to talk about that later. Uh, he got introduced to um, Poe at a young age. He got introduced, a really big one was um, 1001 Nights, or mm-hmm. whatever that, that, what's it called? Uh, 1001 Nights, better known as Arabian Nights. Oh. That was legit probably the most influential book in his childhood yeah because um number one it's a book from another culture it was not an american book it was a muslim book or islamic book not muslim book it was an islamic book um so first of all that was huge introducing him to a different set of gods lovecraft went to church uh for a little bit as most uh young boys did they went to sunday school um, wasn't for him. <laughs> no. And I think you can see that in his work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, at a young age, he decided that church was not a place for him. And it, it wasn't so much that he went out of his way to get kicked out, but he went out of his way to be interested in what he wanted to be interested in at church. 
So mm-hmm. he would dress up as characters from Arabian Nights. Um, you know, gins and genies, and he would bring it to Bible study and all this stuff. And um, he he was asked at one point not to return. And his <laughs> mom was like, yeah, that's fine. If you don't want him there, then nobody's going to church. Uh, Typical Susie. I'm surprised that he liked Arabian Nights, actually, for reasons that we will probably talk about later on. Yeah, but it, so the the thing about that is it, you're you're alluding to his racism, which yeah. is very racist, and there's no getting around it. And if people want to argue about he's a product of his time, then I'll argue with you about that all day. But if we're going to – the same thing goes for the other way. There was this huge explosion of Egypt um, – phenomena like mm-hmm. they loved egypt back then um and there was this this kind of reinvigorated um interest in the middle east that you know it's it wasn't the same way that we look at it now at least for me I, and maybe i'm just being prejudiced because i was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened and then you know there's all the middle east crisis stuff and so in my mind i'm like that's where you go if you want to go to war, right? Like, I know that there's a lot of cool stuff over there, and I'm not, I'm not dogging on people. It's, it's a stereotype that's in my head. But at the time when HP was growing up, it, wasn't it was like all that. the arts and culture. That exactly. Was this exploding. is before World War One. This is before all the fighting happened that caused a lot of division from the Western point into the into that Middle East. Um, it was adventure. It was like. The, there's the tombs of the mummies. There's these ancient, ancient, ancient civilizations that are literally buried in sand mm-hmm. that they are excavating. This is the time when, you know, excavating was a cool thing. Now oh, we're it's like, still a cool thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> I you, think it's cool. Taking a toothbrush and just kind of oh, brushing heck, the teeth yeah. of a dinosaur if for five months. If I could go back and months. do it all over, maybe I'd become a paleontologist or something. Yeah? yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, I'm okay. a weirdo, though. So... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so there was there was a certain openness that is interesting because I think it's kind of come full round. Like we're at a place now where if somebody opened a shop where it's kind of like a um, like gem and uh, apothecary oh, yeah. and kind of the mystic sort of shop, people would flock to it, you know, kind of out of the novelty of like, oh yeah, that's a cool little shop. Let's go buy. The same thing was happening back a hundred years ago. People were opening it because they're like, oh yeah, we've got card readers now we know about people who can do that all this stuff i don't i was about to say the torah i know that's wrong tarot tarot thank you and and not middle eastern to the best (laughs) of my knowledge but still cool (laughs) yeah um and so like uh lovecraft bought into it hard and his mom totally allowed him to do that in fact she pushed him to do that and i think his his grandpa did too because his grandpa was a traveler and understood Mm -hmm. the excitement of finding new civilizations and cultures and things like that yeah his grandpa was always bringing back like little trinkets and you know cool objects from europe particularly yeah. so he was definitely into that discovery kind yeah. of mindset and so um we'll get in more into the racism later but i think that it's a different type of racism than just like look at the islamic culture it's not as good as ours it was it was different it, his racism comes very much from an american standpoint for the people of america and what was happening at that time well yeah he was just racist against everybody that wasn't british sure. british well, ancestry yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> um but yeah so he was super into that was a really crazy tangent um that you know he was super into, he wear, wore an arab costume to to Sunday school. I didn't know about that, but that's a great she way to get out of She would follow him around as he ran to all the different mystic stores and the Cairo, Cairo um, themed stuff. Cairo oh, yeah. was the big thing, right? That's where everybody went to go. Because that's where the pyramids are, right? Yeah. My, my ignorance is coming out real hard right now because you're letting me talk. <laughs> Sorry, yes. You uh, need the to pyramids are near ish to Cairo, <laughs> as is probably the Sphinx. I think. I have not been. I would love to go someday. <laughs> but getting back on track, uh, do we want to talk more about, like, Whipple's business downturns, kind of the later portion of his life? Because um, that was another, you know, monumental moment for HP and his mom and their whole tra- trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So around 
1900 when HP was 10-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whipple's business started suffering a downturn. They had to downsize a little bit. They had to let their servants go. Oh, my God. How awful. But, yeah, they had to lay them off. Um, and then four years later, Whipple died from a stroke, um, which was, again, another huge loss for HP. He lost his dad very young. Yeah, He lost his, his father figure in his life. And it meant that Susie couldn't support the upkeep of their home at all. So right. they had to move into a comparatively tiny duplex, basically. Yeah, a down the road. They had to move yeah. into a duplex down the road. This is BS. I feel like they were still doing pretty well, you when, think? When Rebecca and I moved to Downsize, we moved from a one-bedroom apartment in a small town to a basement outside of town. <laughs> okay? That's a big downgrade. Moving down the street from a mansion <laughs> to a duplex. Not, I don't feel bad for him. No, Literally I, at all. Love I'm not comparing my life to, to H.P. Lovecraft's, but mine's way harder. I, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for him because like, his dad died and then his grandpa died. And that seems really hard. But also, like, I'm not that sad that they had to let go or let their servants go. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know. Yeah. That's somebody's job. And, well, uh, I feel bad for the servants that they lost their job. I don't feel I bad do for Susie because she had to pick up a broom. <laughs> because she actually had to do something for once. Yeah, yeah I don't feel sure. like she was super successful. But if she was, I apologize, Susie. Don't haunt me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they definitely had to downsize a lot. That was probably a hard time for him. Yeah, definitely. Especially like fancying himself, you know, like you said, a proper English gentleman. Like that probably kind of shattered his illusion of that. Yeah, I mean, and... Um, one of the last things that his grandpa did was buy him a bike. And that was a big deal because um, Lovecraft learned that he loved to bike. And we can talk about this later in some of the other sections of this episode. Um, but, like, I don't know. It, it's interesting that he took to biking so much because his grandpa, again, was so into the masculine, like, pushing masculinity that when Lovecraft was like, no, I don't want to do sports – his grandpa was like, we got to get you out of this freaking house. And and one of the reasons why is because he's got this chemistry set in his basement. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, like, so to get him out of the house, he bought him a bike. He's like, dude, just like the bike. Just freaking get on the bike and go. And he did. And he, they're like, he probably has, he probably rode the bike enough to circle the state of Rhode Island, like, several times. Just really? To, yeah. Just Where was he riding? His, Mostly around Providence? Providence, yeah. Um, he rode everywhere. He loved it. Um, and so I think that's cool. That did he ride at night? Because I'm just picturing like I'm sure this creepy, did. like pale dude pedaling around <laughs> uh, <laughs> under the full moon. <laughs> going, Grandpa Whipper! Grandpa Whipper! Yes, that's exactly <laughs> Terrorizing the people of Providence. <laughs> we should write our own book called Young Lovecraft. And it's super creepy. Just because this little boy goes around town. Where is my grandpa whipper? This is tragic. He gave me this bike and then he disappeared like my father. (laughs) Yep, we're definitely getting haunted. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, uh, the the death of, of his grandpa was a big deal, and it sent his mom into a super depression. So mm-hmm. it, I almost think that while Lovecraft was depressed by it, he almost had to kind of pick up the slack. Hold it together for yeah. Susie. I like how you had to pull my cat's hair off of that. Was that a cat hair? That was a cat okay, hair, 100%. <laughs> I'm like, ever since I got these things out of the house, I've been trying to get all the hair off, but it <laughs> seems to be growing more. Let the record show that he's talking about the microphone. Yes, the microphone. <laughs> I got all this hair everywhere. I don't know what to do with it. This show just became a puberty show. It's going to get real weird. Talk to your uh, parents, kids. When Lovecraft hit puberty. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man. So, um, so that's his family. Yeah. He had aunts who had... That's my phone. That was my phone. Um, He had uh, his aunts who had a lot of the same interests as him, and they fed into it. Um, Grandpa Whipple obviously uh, fed into it. His mom really 
went out of her way to make sure that he had everything he ever wanted all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted him to be a, a smart guy. I think she knew he was going to be a writer Yeah, from day one. And one of the cool things that she did is she actually got him. She spent a lot of money. In 1909 money, I think, she spent 120 bucks. I don't. I haven't done the comparison. I don't know how much that equates to to nowadays. A million dollars. Yeah, like like thousands of dollars. I'm yeah. sure, honestly, to get him a chemistry set. Yeah. So that he can go to the basement and literally blow stuff up. They would like that was a big thing. They would neighbors would be like, "Yo, what's going on in your basement?" And because he he cut the the power out at one point, like they had. Um, I can't remember some of the other stories, but there was like literally an explosion at one point. Um, so he's super into science and, and very quickly his, he had, there was, there was the church that he went to in the, the Sunday school. And then that was very quickly changed out with, uh, the religions of other cultures, Greek and Egyptian cultures. And he, he was very interested in those. And I mean, he straight up his mom would help him too. They would put up um, altars to these gods, and he would practice doing these things because these are this is what was happening in the books that he was reading, and he wanted to to be really into this. And and we're not going to touch on this too much right now. I almost want to do a whole episode on this, but if Lovecraft was alive today, he would one hundred percent be a larper. <laughs> He would be the biggest nerd LARPer ever. And I, I can see I, that. There's actually so much material on this subject, it can be its own episode. So we're we're going to talk about that at some point. Like his influence on role-playing games and all that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because... It's huge. Yeah. It's freaking huge. I almost said a bad word, but Amy's here. She's keeping us in line. So yeah, thank you, Amy. Um, <laughs> You're going to tell your mom on us. Yeah. She's going to listen to this. She already knows. I don't have to tell her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was super bright. He did a ton of stuff at home, which was probably good because he was also a sickly child, like many of the children of that day and age, apparently. And he spent a lot of time not in school or like in and out of school. And then he didn't even finish high school right he, he was going to high school um but then had a nervous breakdown before he could finish yep. so he's this brilliant guy probably doesn't even have a high school diploma yeah at the age of at the age of 13 mm-hmm. it, he he had started to move from chemistry into astronomy mm-hmm. um and he got so into astronomy astronomy because he hated the math of chemistry, which I totally understand. That is so typical of a writer. Yeah, I know, right? Like, ooh, look at this cool idea of molecules and putting these together. Oh, there's math? No, thank you. Look at the stars. Maybe that's why there were so many explosions in his basement. He didn't (laughs) do the Probably he didn't do the math right. He's like, ah, this looks about right. Boom. (laughs) Um, But he got into astronomy, and he actually would do lectures Mm -hmm. for his friends and his family in their house. Like, he would do slideshow lectures at the age of 13. That's insane. When I was 13, I was still trying to beat the first, like, Mario Kart, and I didn't. I didn't beat it. I never beat it. I'm sorry. Zelda. No, I was playing Zelda the Ocarina of Time, not Mario Kart. 64. Well, this is even more disappointing then. <laughs> yeah, except for it's way harder than Mario Kart, so I feel less bad about not beating it. Mm-hmm. I always get to the water temple, and then I give up. Every single time. You need to stop giving up? Yeah. Nope. What I did was I married my wife, who's better at it than I am. <laughs> Strategy. All right, we're back, because I had to take a phone call, because that dude kept calling me a lot. Yeah. Everyone, please note that I never take breaks from recording <laughs> because I have my poop together. You have your poop together. Amy's I think here. somehow that's oh worse. I think saying <laughs> that is just. I'll say it. Say it. Shit. <gasps> oh, Megan. Your mom is going to hear this. You're in trouble in three to four months. <laughs> or whenever we release this, uh, we were talking about. We were talking about. When uh, HP gave up on chemistry because right. math and moved on to astronomy. Right. And he and started giving lectures. He gave lectures to his friends, which mm-hmm. God bless his friends. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had friends like that. I don't know if there was a little boy going, have you seen my grandpa? Whipple? I'm doing an astronomy. 
I'm doing yeah, but you're saying that it's like a 30 year old if you were a 13 year old and your 13 year old friend wanted to give you an astronomy lecture i'd be like bye yeah i don't know i feel like i would if he was my friend i'd be like yeah okay i guess and then my mom would look at me like you're going to that astronomy lecture i don't even know what astronomy is because i'm in 1904 and i'm an old woman (laughs) (laughs) and we are not supposed to admit that the universe is infinite or anything (laughs) but yeah so he started doing astronomy he was really confident because a lectures and b he started like submitting astronomy like how would you like journal entries or something to local newspapers and yeah. like journals he, he published his own freaking journals yeah he started a magazine or a group called um the providence agency is that what it was called i saw the rhode island journal of astronomy okay and also the scientific gazette which okay those are magazines about- that he wrote too but he started no, those his- are ones that he published Oh, okay, he, okay. He joined the United Amateur Press Association. Is that the one you were trying no, to think of? No, there's another one. There's another one, and I it's somewhere in here. I I think I'm further than I got in this book. Fun. That makes me feel so good about myself that I had all that time <laughs> to find where I was going to go, and then it is gone because I'm a terrible podcaster, and I'm just going to keep rambling till Hannah interrupts me. And, I'm just going to let you go. Or I can find it. <laughs> She's going to find out that I'm really good at filibustering, and I can just continue to talk. This is not good podcast audio. Well, we're going to bleep this <laughs> oh we are just a long bleep <laughs> no it's, it's gonna be like a, a little cut with like some hp lovecrafty sound effect no. is, is that the right one i was I singing know. like a screamer okay you know what i, I can't find it like you don't think people would a scream they don't want to hear someone like <laughs> scream right in just their screaming ear. for like five minutes no just you would just straight. do it for like half a second just to cover the little splice <laughs> Like that. <laughs> Except we'll have somebody else do it. Oh, Amy, Possibly can you like a sc- hot chick, Amy, like can in you the scream for movies. us real quick? No, I'm okay. Just give us a little, like a little. Ah! No. Nope. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Providence Detective Agency. I don't even found know about it. that. What was that? It's like a it's like a little group that he started with some of his friends, and they would like go around. They, all like all they would do detective type stuff. All they would do is go to like like tombs and like like. Uh, graveyards graves. and stuff and like be like oh who is here <laughs> we're in a graveyard and i can't find my grandpa whipper <laughs> anyway um but yeah no it's just like this group that he started and and again this feeds into the larp theory of like he's super into the things that he's reading he's reading these detective stories and he wants to be a detective mm-hmm. he's reading these astronomy stories he wants to be as, as a scientist he's writing these articles and lecturing and stuff yeah it's like I always think of him as not having gone on like adventures or traveled much, but he did do a lot considering that he was mostly stuck in Providence. Sure. Like he did go on Providence adventures. <laughs> you should say. Yeah. He just, he didn't do, cause he writes about like expeditions to Antarctica and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just, that seems like a stretch for him, but he read so much and he did mm-hmm. like try to LARP. <laughs> kind of yeah a night an early yeah. 19th century or uh 20th century larping if if you could call it that yeah so i guess it does make sense larping larping stands for uh live action role playing so the people that that dress up in armor and get the foam swords and then go out and hit each other with them and then they throw bags of sand that have different colors that represent different spells and then they say the spells as they cast them and i haven't done this before at all <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. HP was the OG LARPer. You know what? We're One day yeah. we're going to talk about okay. this. No joke. It's so interesting to me. Anyway, Lovecraft loved crafts. No, I'm joking. He loved no. different authors. He, he, he loved the craft of writing. Oh. And he liked different authors. Yeah. The number one. Number one, everyone always puts them together, is Lovecraft and Poe. Yep. Edgar McAllen McPoe. Edgar Allan Poe. E-A-P, <laughs> as I call him. Uh, but yeah, I think that one is pretty obvious, even if you don't read anything about H.P.'s life. It's like you can read his stories and be like, yep, there's a Poe influence there. Mm-hmm. Especially ones like The Hound. 
I don't know if you read that one. The Hound, yeah. 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 It's just like Poe all over the place. Oh, sure. And like I said, From Beyond has such a Poe feel to it, the way that he writes it and kind of the character interaction. And what's interesting is... um, I dropped something. Oh, my highlighter. Thank you. Um, What will you ruin your book with now? (laughs) It's not ruined. It's helpful. It's decorated. Um, Poe was discovered by Lovecraft the same time as science was. Discovered by Lovecraft? Yeah. That must have been a great year. Yeah. Like, this little kid walking around, being all melodramatic, and then going to the basement and blowing shit up. (laughs) It's got to be the like, greatest household yeah. ever. <laughs> Stop making that face, Amy. <laughs> Did you hear that? I heard nothing. Did you hear that? He said a better Don't be a little tattletale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just had to uh, look up how old Edgar Allan Poe was, actually. He was Did quite you? a bit before Lovecraft. Okay, yes, he was, except for the part where Lovecraft started reading Poe early in Poe's um, career. He was dead. No. Poe died in uh, 1849. Oh. Okay. I take all of that back. <laughs> um, so I just made a really stupid thing. I just said a really stupid thing twice because I just also just said I made a really stupid thing. So I did that twice in a row. And you could have not acknowledged any of it, but that's what we love about you. You're so honest I'm with on- your mistakes. My comedy comes from my inability to be a real human being. <laughs> and my failed attempts at it. That's why you like H.P. Lovecraft so yes, much. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, so the the correct thing that I should have said was um, Poe had just become starting to get popular. He had started to just become popular in in consciousness of people's minds. Yeah, it's um, one of the tragedies that many artists face is getting right. famous after they're dead. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Same thing happened to Lovecraft. Ooh. Exact same thing. Now I know that he dies. <laughs> hey, real quick, the guy that was born in 1890 what, is dead. He's dead <laughs> oh. now. Yeah, he's not 130 <laughs> years old. I have some grieving to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he started to read Poe as he became popular. So you know, H.P. Lovecraft is kind of a hipster. But he was an eight-year-old hipster, so it was different. Oh, he wasn't doing it just to be. Yeah, he's just riding around. Uncle Grandpa oh, Whipple. On his bike, reading Poe. Grandpa Whipple. Have you read Poe? I read it before he was cool. And then he drives off. Goodbye. I have a lecture later today. Come on the house. Okay, we're actually going to make an animated series about baby H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Little Lovecraft. Little, Little Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Little Lovecraft. Anyway, I finally found that passage where it talks about that. Would you like to read it in a dramatic fashion, or is it not that kind of passage? It's not that It's not that great. I mean, it's, it's, the parts I have highlighted are, he claimed to have first read Poe in, 19, er, in 1898. I messed up my own dramatic reading. Not only does this represent a feat on its own terms for an eight-year-old, because again... What I were you reading when you were eight? I don't understand Poe most of the time. Right? I'm 30 years old. Of course, maybe that just means I'm not as smart as an eight-year-old. It further underscores it how di- his diverse interests gave him an awareness of a wider cultural cultural landscape at a ridiculously early age. This dude was super impressed by him. Yeah, so, yeah, he is. But <laughs> actually, the point that he's making it... Big cookie. Amy brought a cookie over and she's not sharing with us. It's got sprinkles and everything. No, it's okay. I don't want to get sprinkles on my laptop. (laughs) Um, This is, no, I'm good. (laughs) This is actually an important point because it kind of gets into a little bit more of of something that feeds into Lovecraft's um, craft his racism. Super racist. Mm. Not just a little racist, right? He probably wasn't super racist for the early 1900s. But super racist for 2019. I would say he's racist in the early 1900s, too. And here's why. And exactly what this quote represents. Because, first of all, his cat's name. Very bad name. We're not going to repeat it. Hannah has told me I'm not allowed to say it. I told him he's not allowed to say it. But (laughs) his cat... His pet cat, and he probably didn't name his cat. It was probably his mom or someone. You think he was only, it was his cat? Was he his took cat it in as like a stray. Nine. Well, what kind of nine-year-old is going around saying that? Was stuff? he nine? I thought he was like fourteen. Yeah. Well, he was really young when he got the cat. Okay, he probably still had it. Either uh, way, anyway, the what cat's he name was it. N-word 
cat. N-word man. Oh, yeah, N-word man. Sorry. Yeah, not N-word, like the actual word that that, that Hannah has told say. me I'm not allowed to say. He's not allowed to say it, guys. Which is just the funnest. Being Tyler doesn't like being censored, but... I don't like being told what I can't <laughs> do, but I understand it, which is why I, I'm doing it for Hannah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not doing it for anybody else. <laughs> Maybe my wife. Um, <laughs> but, so he named his cat this, or at the very least, he called his cat this knowingly because he knew what this term means on top of which he has he at the age of 13 or 14 wrote an essay on how um the black man should never have been set free because they'll never be able to survive in a white culture because they don't they don't have the the thought capabilities that white people do and the only capabilities they have at this point are to be slaves so they should go back to being slaves. Um, that's racist. Like, that's not 19th century racist. That's not 2019th century, or er, 2019 racist. That's racist, right? And on, It was pre-civil rights movement, though. So no, it I'm, wasn't. No, it wasn't. Again, going back to it, this, this exact quote of talking about how into cultural um, new ideas he was, he was getting into Poe. Nobody else knew about Poe. There were other people writing at this time, like, um, shoot, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, W.E.B. Du Bois? W. Du Bois? Yeah, the Dubois. first African American to receive a PhD um, at Harvard University. He had been, he had been writing essays and getting and doing things against racism and um, the oppression of black people in America, free black people in America. He'd been doing this since 1904. Like, this is a, a time when, like, he's working. Uh, Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass? Yeah. Frederick Douglass. He's been, he had been working since he was a slave. Like, or no, since his mom was a slave. And, like, like these were people that were working in his area right and so for for someone to be like oh well he probably didn't know about those but then he goes and picks up poe i don't know i just so, I, but yeah but it was still 50 or 60 years until america had its civil rights movement the, so i'm just yeah, saying the that main he, civil rights movement but i think it was in its beginning stages at this point in his life and if, if someone can look at his his um, cultural understanding and go, oh, yeah, he's a hipster. He was super into Poe. But then deny knowing that he knew about these black writers and, and free men who were, who were actively going against racism and oppression, like, that's all there in the soup. And he denied those. Yeah. And he named his cat this terrible thing. And he wrote these essays against black people. It, he wasn't just just by 2019 standards racist this dude had some hardcore racial tendencies at a young age that's that's my only thing he did i think he should being an academic and stuff you would expect better from him but i do i don't think his views were against the mainstream Mm. i think it's interesting how academically he tried to approach it and then at 13 he was writing these awful essays in defense of (laughs) yeah racism and stuff yeah that's pretty disturbing and i'm disappointed that he never really changed his views not too much no. they got slightly less aggressive he stopped being racist against irish people yeah. by the end of his life which way to go way to In, go Lovecraft. um it, yeah and if i sound fired up about this it's because this is not the first time i've had this conversation and somebody straight up was like no he probably wasn't racist the the n-word wasn't that big a deal back then and I'm like, yo, you can't say that. It was a big deal. It was a slur. It was a bad word around the people that Lovecraft was around. You can't say that that wasn't a slur. Yeah, and it wasn't like a casual usage because he backed it up with his with his, his essays, other writings. with his writing. And it's so, like, oh, you actually believe this? Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's one thing. I don't know. I just get annoyed when people try to defend people's racism. Oh no, I'm you know, not and, and, it at all. No, no, I know yeah. you're not, but I get fired up because I've heard it so much and and especially Lovecraft fans are very much like, well, he was just a product of his time. And it's like, no, he wasn't. If he was a product of his time, he would have been reading Poe and Frederick Douglass. Yeah. He would have been reading these things and not arguing against them in his own essays. Mm-hmm. Right? That so 
that's my whole thing. Yeah, that's I my think, big thing. I think a lot of like hardcore Lovecraft fans are probably defending him because they're afraid that if they admit that he's racist, then they can't read his works anymore. Right. Which I don't think is fair. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, if we canceled every artist ever who had a problematic view, then we would have no art. So I think oh, sure. you need to be able to separate the art from the artist. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and there's little things that you just have to see. Like, you do see him throughout his works. Like, um, the uh, Beyond the Wall of Sleep, um, there's... It's a story of a a guy who's in a mental facility and he's dreaming and going off into these other worlds. And the narrator's describing him as like this Appalachian ignorant person and says, you know, he's so stupid that he's even stupider than Native Americans. Oh, my God. Like, that's how he tries (laughs) to get the audience to understand how stupid this guy is. Right? Like, it's bad. And it continues throughout his writing. And there are small things here and there that he does say. It's And it, and it, it's I only point it out because it's something that when we get into his books in the next episode, we're going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to understand where it's coming from and not shy away from the fact that he's flawed. Yeah. And not just in his time. At his, at, at, throughout his life, he has a flaw. He's not this perfect human being writer. He wrote really good horror stuff, but he's also got a lot of problems. And it's about finding, understanding those problems and seeing the horror that he's putting into his own problems and what he draws out of those. That's that's where I wanted to go with that. Yeah. That's how I wanted to try and end the episode. I thought, yeah, as you were saying it, I'm like, yeah, that's a good ending point, Tyler. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. Did You You were going through something. Oh, I, I was just trying to figure out what the story was that I was thinking of that kind of had a blatant racist angle to it it was um the facts concerning arthur something. oh yeah, yeah. That one. yeah that one's awful we're gonna talk about that for sure yeah. uh there's also the street and i think red hook those mm. two are also very racist um but a lot of the other stories like it didn't factor in not no it, it wasn't no. like distracting as a modern reader i should say <laughs> Yes. He wasn't saying someone is as stupid as a Native American. Or that the 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 big twist, the big horror twist is that you're from Africa. Oh my god. Like that what? No, what? that's not a no. twist. That's just that's just ancestry.com. <laughs> <laughs> just forty three and me, dude. Oh man. All right. All so right. that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um we're obviously gonna do another episode, at least one more on Lovecraft. I think we could we could talk. We could finish out Lovecraft. I think we could. Life kind of through his. Alert, he has sort of a short life, so yeah. <laughs> but we'll be getting um, into late life. But next we'll be getting episode. more into his books in the next one, talking about each one, not each one, because that's a lot of books. Yeah, but we can talk about some of the big ones, uh, and what he what he kind of wrote and where that went. So that was our teaser for next episode. Um, dark, scary teaser. Obviously, I got, <laughs> I put a lot of work into it. Um, <clears throat> We don't have an actual teaser for like last time we had like was was uh, <laughs> Lewis he, alive or did the he bike? bicycle yeah. or did he motorcycle? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, this one is was he actually racist or not? No, spoiler, he was actually racist. <laughs> um, the teaser is were his later works better or were her, his early works better? Oh, because I have feelings on this that maybe don't align with the mainstream. So, <gasps> oh no, you're a <gasps> controversy. Hipster. Grandpa uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should make that the sound effect that we do for any cuts. Yeah. Grandpa <laughs> okay. So uh, if you guys have liked the uh, show, you can find us on Facebook. We'll probably be on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Hopefully, us. Yeah. You can email us at, oh crap, why don't you have the email on here? <laughs> it's, hold on. Grandpa Whipple. <laughs> you can email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com and find our website, lewislovecraft.com. Mm-hmm. And yep. you can subscribe to us and rate and review us because that's super important, especially on iTunes, I think, Tyler. Am I right about that? Yes, you are very right about that. But you did skip something. We need to thank someone. We do. We really need to thank Jake Bassin. Jake Bassin. Jake Bassin! Thank you so much for your uh, intro song that you did, like, literally 
hour worth of work on i'm sure <laughs> uh you did a lot of work and it was it's, it's super, so good yeah it we're really so happy with it. sets the tone for the whole every episode. time i like every time i'm getting i'm coming here i'll listen to the intro just on my way here to be like oh i'm getting in the mood now so jake bassin <laughs> thank you so much and uh you guys can if you like his music or you want to Maybe contact him about making music for you or you want to see what else kind of stuff he does because he does a lot of different stuff. He's actually very talented. Uh, you can find him at soundcloud.com backslash Jake Basson, B-A-S-S-E-N. Um, so, yes, back to how people can support us. Oh, yeah. Subscribe. Subscribe. Review. Rate. Yeah. Tell a friend. ITunes. Tell a grandmother. That's the number one. That's my your favorite neighbor. one. Tell, when I'm, when I'm at work, I tell people about the stuff I listen to. And so if you guys can do that, just take a few minutes to show someone this cool podcast, then that makes the world to us. Um, even if it's a creepy, crawly, scary world of Lovecraft that It'll probably get monsters. brighter someday. Not soon. We've got some, some scary authors planned. But eventually, yeah. it'll be a happy, bright world, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Either way, um, we're so happy that you guys joined us. Share us with a friend, review all that good stuff that Hannah just said, and uh, we'll see you next time for Lovecraft. You want to say something before I officially end this? No, you did great. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>